Let's doing episode 75. Ari talks with David Gottfried, founder of the US Green Building Council and author of Explosion Green about environmental toxins and building spaces for increased happiness and productivity. Hey, Felix. Hey, Ari. How you doing? <laughs> good. Very good. Uh, so, yeah, this is an interesting interview today. Uh, a lot of people may not realize that my, my background is actually in green building, and I started in real estate development maybe 12 years ago now. And I started with a historic renovation project and was doing a lot of, you know, preserving the old, basically, and reuse and recycling. And then I got into actual real green building design and uh, and building offices and apartments that are sustainable and healthy. And the, re- the way that it sort of ties in is, and what really interested me the most about it, is that the built environment as it is, and, and uh, for instance, like I went to a school uh, for high school that was in a building that was built like 40 years ago and was the air quality was terrible the light quality was terrible uh, the way that people interacted with the space was terrible it, it just it, it makes for a less productive and a more sick environment if your building is not built with good materials and good design whereas if you're in an environment that has access to natural light and you can control the temperature and the light in your environment and you can move around and you can see outside like all these things not only make you happier and healthier but they actually make you more productive so it's uh, it's really kind of a big deal to me so this was a this is a really cool interview uh but before we get to that why don't we start with the uh, the reviews sure okay so this is by sicolen thoughtful and informational you never know what you're going to get in ari's show fitness mindset and productivity ari has a discerning eye and i frequently try out his app and podcast suggestions with good results his recommendations are gold Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, really that's, cool. a, that's a really cool review. Thank you so much. And if you heard that, Sikolen, if you heard that, please uh, get in touch with us and get your Less Doing t-shirt from Zazzle, which, by the way, you may be the last one to get one. So bring it on. Um, now, I have a question for you this time. Awesome. And that is, um, it's about PhotoStream. Um, some family members and friends do not have a... Um, an iPhone just yet, but we want to be able to share our our shared photo streams with them. And do you have a do you have any suggestions on how we could add them to it? Because it's kind of tricky. Yeah, absolutely. So with this is a common one actually that comes up, and I think I've actually written not specifically about this, but I've written about how people can use like things like IFTT or other websites to notify people uh, that are not necessarily good with technology. So, you know, whether it's like a grandmother or a grandfather or somebody in another country that can't necessarily access it for, for whatever reason it might be, mm. that's something that definitely comes up. And, of course, it's one of those things that, you know, somebody might say like, oh, it just takes me a minute to share it. But the truth is, is you know, if you want to do it on a regular basis, it can get very annoying. So it's the kind of thing that if you can automate it, you're going to be that much better for it. So there's a couple ways, and since this question is not pre-recorded and we're actually having this conversation, I can ask you something, which is, have you tried doing it as a public photo stream? Um, I haven't. No, that's a good point, though, because because then you could set it up as, there's a, you can check a button and it would be as a website, wouldn't it? Exactly. And then what you can do is that you can use something like, uh, what's the name of it? There's a website called... 
but then what? okay go on Sorry, well go on. so no well go ahead what was your question well but then then it's a public website and we the half the point of the the photo stream is that it's private right okay so so okay so fair mm. point so there, there's two ways to approach that one is it is a public website but you have to have the link obviously and you have to know where it is um so depending on what you want to do with that you could also create a separate photo stream of course but then that's more work if you didn't have that issue then this would be one way to approach it make it a public website and then use a website for instance like changedetection.com and okay. change detection will alert you when a web page changes so uh, oh. basically you would set that up in there and then they would get an email with whatever that change was. So that, that's a, a very simple way to do it. The more, uh, it's not even complex, but uh, another way to do it would be there is actually a, a program called, uh, it's called uh, Photo Stream to Folder. And Photo Stream to Folder was created basically for the purpose of monitoring your photo stream, and then it will copy those photos to anywhere you want. And this is for uh, for Mac, by the way. So it'll monitor your photo stream, and then it'll put it into, you can have it go into Dropbox, for instance. That would be what my recommendation would be. So have the files go into Dropbox, and then you can set up a IFTTT recipe that will either recognize that there's a new photo and immediately send that off to whoever you want, or probably better would be to add that to the the uh, email daily digest channel of Fiverr of um, IFTTT. Sorry. So basically, what that'll do is it'll just keep piling them up into that daily digest, and then once a day, whoever you want will get that email with all of the photos that have been shared. Oh, but you know what? There's one thing I'm seeing. I need to check this out because the devil will be in the details. But the thing that I'm trying to share is a shared photo stream, not my default photo stream. And so we need to check this properly. Well, and so does uh, does photo stream to folder not let you do that? Uh, looking at their website doesn't look like it does, but there's only one way is to give it a try and see what they offer. Yeah, um, well, so... Otherwise, I have some other things that I could tinker with, and um, I will post um, in the next podcast... Um, what I came up with. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. And, and of course, there still is that idea of creating a separate photo stream just for sharing with that person. Right, right. So, right. but all right, yeah. So let's give that a try and then report back. Exactly, I will do. Okay. So what I want to talk about first actually is CBD. So in marijuana, there are two main compounds. One is called THC, which is tetrahydrocannabinol, and the other one is CBD, which is cannabidiol, I think. Um, and basically, cannabidiol has pretty much all of the medicinal effects of the THC without any of the psychoactive effects. So you're going to get the all the benefits without any of the high, although some people might say that's not getting all the benefits. But it's really interesting. So I'm actually in my hand right now holding a bottle of Sibdex Hemp CBD. Now, it's interesting because CBD is a industrial hemp product. It is completely legal, and I actually got this right off of Amazon. There is a great website which is dedicated to, C to this compound, and it actually shows all of the published PubMed studies about the various illnesses that it can help treat. And huh. people may or may not be aware of this, but for a long time, marijuana has had lots of medicinal 
benefits and with Crohn's has actually been shown to be very effective. And so it's interesting because in cancer patients, medicinal marijuana has been prescribed for a very long time, but it's been prescribed to treat the side effects of chemo, essentially. Uh, okay. Okay. But what they're finding now is that it actually has beneficial effects on the cancer itself. Um, and it's a mechanism that would be way too complicated for me to try to explain and also probably not appropriate for this podcast because this is not like a hardcore science podcast. But basically, it, it helps to protect good cells and kill cancer cells. Uh, and then in inflammatory bowel diseases such as Crohn's, it actually can reduce intestinal inflammation because it controls your neuroimmune access because we have all these neurons in our digestive tract and bacterial imbalances, all sorts of things can happen. And basically, this non-psychotropic aspect of marijuana can have these protective effects. So it's, it's really incredible. So basically, like, the list of illnesses goes on and on. But, they, I mean, it's everything from, like, anxiety to depression to Crohn's colitis, of course, to diabetes, hypertension. It's, like, kind of this amazing panacea of things. Alzheimer's, anorexia, endocrine disorders even, like, uh, like Cushing's or, you know, hypothyroidism or things like that, Parkinson's, metabolic migraines, like, all of these things they've shown how it can have some benefit from this compound CBD. So I'm not completely sure how I want to experiment with it yet because I don't exactly have a problem per se. Um, but I think that the first thing I'm going to try it with actually is sleep because I am tracking my sleep and it's something that I can see what effect it might have because it is supposed to give you basically more restful sleep, which, which kind of makes sense. So um, very interested to try it out. Cool. Well, I look forward to hearing what you have to uh... How you sleep? I'm going I'm to spray it on you when you walk in tonight for the workout. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and speaking of sprays, there is a, a new product coming out called Sprayable Energy, and it's essentially aerosol caffeine. And you spray it on your neck, so like right on your basically where your like carotids would be, and it's mostly basically supposed to provide you with a caffeine boost. And they describe it as being unlike the jittery hyper boost you might get from an energy drink and much more of like a natural caffeine high, whatever that might be, which is, which sounds like marketing to me. But quite honestly, if you really need that boost, you really need something throughout the day and it's, you want something that's like easy to have and you don't want to drink coffee or, or something else, having this sort of spray to just try out, uh, for that little cognitive boost and that energy boost is, is not so bad. So that might be something that people want to check out. Oh, cool. Um, and then uh, two more things. One is I posted a picture on Instagram of the contrast shower. Did you, did you see that? Of the what? My contrast shower. No, I didn't see that. No. Okay, so we have we have two shower heads in our shower, and I basically I put so a contrast shower is a hot a hot and a cold shower basically, and you can do this kind of like a tabata interval where you're doing uh, 20 seconds of cold water and then. 10 seconds of warm water uh, and keep going back and forth for like five minutes. And it's actually supposed to promote a really good hormonal response and even promote fat loss, believe it or not. But wow. yeah, so, but of course, you know, if you're doing hot, cold, hot, cold, like that maybe can get a little annoying. So in our case, we have the two shower heads. So I had one that was hot and one that was cold and uh, just sort of jumped back and forth between the two. And I, I put a picture of that on Instagram. It, it's actually really invigorating. It's, it's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. And then the last thing, uh, you're going to have maybe more to say about this than I do, but there is a product called Fism from Savin Nutrition. And I, I put this on Instagram also, but uh, this 
bottle was given to me. It's a it's a workout supplement. It was given to me literally months ago, and I just have not had an opportunity to try it. And last week, uh, Felix and our friend Johnny came over for the workout, and we all gave it a shot. And uh, Felix was a very good sport because I didn't get a chance to tell him everything that was in it. Uh, oh no, no, I think I think you did. I just didn't ask. You said, "Do you want some of these?" I said, "Sure," <laughs> like an idiot. Well, and, uh, and and so well, but first of all, the effects on the workout. I I, I don't know what Felix's experience was, but he it, it looked pretty good from the outside. The workout was pretty good. Uh, but it, you, what do you what do you, what do you think of it? Let's tell us. Not to me, not not a noticeable difference. I, I just, I mean. I, I I just I, I I have nothing to say. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I don't I don't have a relationship with these guys, so you know, you can be honest. I know no, that... no, no. I mean, I I really honestly didn't. I, I couldn't like say, oh wow, I really nailed it because of that. You know, uh, okay. I really noticed a difference. I just kind of forgot that I had it, and you know, until felt the same until that night. <laughs> Later that night, you know, when I went to bed about ten thirty, and. Uh, which is pretty late for me because I normally go to bed, go to bed about nine thirty, and um, and I was just wide awake. I couldn't get to sleep until like two thirty in the morning. Yeah, so uh, yeah. I, I basically... and it wasn't until the next day that uh, that my wife told me that um, that. Uh, these were full of caffeine, right? Well, so they had 186 <laughs> milligrams of caffeine in them, which is a little less than a cup of coffee. But it's, you know, it, it, we work out relatively late at night. So, um, yeah. So my apologies, Felix, publicly. <laughs> 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 um, anyway. All right. So that's all we got for this week. Let's uh, roll to the interview with David. And as usual, everyone, thanks for listening in. If you have comments or feedback or reviews, we'd love to hear it. And uh, keep those questions coming. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. See you next week. Thank you. So now I'm speaking with David Gottfried, who was the original founder of the U.S. Green Building Council and has a new book out called Explosion Green. And uh, first of all, welcome, David. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Thanks, Ari. Great to be here with you. Yeah. So now a lot of people who listen to my podcast and read the blog are probably not aware that my original career is as a green building or a green real estate developer. Um, and I got into green building through a historic renovation project that I started 11 years ago and became something of a specialist in green building materials. And I, my first book that ever was published was called Lead Materials. And Lead is Leadership in Energy Environmental Design. It's a, the most widely recognized green building standard there is. And it was created by the U.S. Green Building Council which means it was created by David. So, <laughs> um, and the reason that this is relevant to my listeners and to me and to everything is that the built environment has so much to do with our productivity and our efficiency and our health that I, I, it, it's absolutely essential. And it's something that I really haven't covered before. So with that big sort of preamble, uh, I, I, I want to talk, I want to turn it over to you, David, a little bit. And, and how did, how did you get into, to green building? I studied solar engineering in college and fell in love. I learned that we do have a sun and that the sun can provide energy and daylight and uh, we can also open up windows and have natural ventilation. Uh, but that, that professor at Stanford really woke us up. He, he taught us about the world and that there are vital signs of Earth and uh, 30 years ago, talked about climate change and the impact of population growth and uh, that we could make our homes and buildings more efficient 
and we could also use the sun to create clean energy. And he, he woke me up and even today we're friends and I'm lecturing there. And uh, he, he just taught that there's a world here that's beyond what most are talking about and that there's also a health impact. Right. Okay. So what a lot of people don't realize, I think, that are not, are, are not familiar with, with how green building and sustainable design is done is that, yes, it's nice to have sustainable materials. It's, it's of course, nice to have no VOCs, which, are, you know, for people who don't know, that's volatile organic compounds, which is the, uh, the famous new car smell that you tend to get with paints or adhesives. Um, and sustainable wood, bamboo, and, and, you know, carpet and windows that are very efficient. And I, and I geek out on all that, and I think that's important. But what I think a lot of people don't realize is that the health and happiness of the users of the space is what is often neglected in the way buildings are designed. Yeah, we, we, most of us take our homes for granted. We, we buy them, we move in, we have that new car smell, which is not healthy for us. Uh, the paints, for example, they put in biocides and fungicides for shelf life of that paint so that in a year or two after you, you've painted your walls, it still looks the same color. But that stuff is the, is the toxicity and you don't want it in the paint. So you want to go for those no VOCs, low toxicity. It's also in the furnishings that we're buying, those cheap press boards that have non-solid wood insides that are particles of, of, of wood perhaps held together with binders and those make some people sick as well. Uh, carpeting in offices, you don't need the glue anymore. And we need to look at all those items uh, because it greatly impacts our health and whether we want to be in the space. We're of nature and most of the homes and buildings we've made don't allow nature inside, whether it's plant material or just daylighting and ability to look out the windows to see how what time of day it is and, and link up with our circadian rhythms. And the more daylight we have, it's been proven uh, kids' mass scores are higher. And even in Walmart in a Lawrence, Kansas store, they sold more product in the section that had skylights over it. <laughs> That's funny. I hope they weren't selling VOC-laden paints in that section. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so, so there's two sides of this, and this is what I really want to dig into with you. And you just, you just touched on them, but on the one side, there's the avoiding the toxicity issue, you know, so creating a clean environment. But on the other side, there's the things that actually do enhance your productivity and your health and happiness, such as that access to light. So let's just talk more about that. You know, that, that's what I think is going to be so interesting to everybody listening. Well, the air quality impacts your health and productivity hugely. There's a whole field in green building and in the lead system, as you know, RA, that looks at indoor environmental quality. And the air is the biggest component. So it's the contribution of all those products and materials we're buying, as well as the activities you're doing. So often I'll walk into a building and see somebody working with a strong adhesive or the brass cleaner or even walking on the street, I can tell that they had a repairman who didn't care about VOCs. And uh, if it smells strongly, uh, you need to pay attention. Uh, a good friend of ours, uh, Pedram, Dr. Pedram Shojai says, uh, that's the cancer smell and you got to get it out. Uh, but at the same time, daylighting is hugely important. You don't want to have that casino impact 
where you can't have any relationship with the sun. You want to have uh, control of your daylight so you don't have the hot western sun just beating up on your window and overheating you. Uh, if you had overhangs, that would be great, or good window blinds, or, or even efficient cis, uh, windows that keep that out, the shading coefficient, uh, as well as letting that daylight penetrate into the space. If you're designing a new office building, it's better to have a skinny, longer building so everyone inside has access to the light. So, and beyond the access too, is the idea of control, right? So one of, one of the elements of the lead rating system is that people want to have controllability over their temperature and their lighting. Yeah, and so much of the time we don't. You have one little thermostat on a whole floor that might be 10,000 square feet in an older building. It drives us nuts. Or when you're super hot, you can't open the window. So operable windows is really important. Uh, uh, smart thermostats that have a sense of temperature in different zones and your ability to control the temperature where you're sitting. That's really important. Uh, even in the home, we're seeing smart thermostats. Nest is probably the coolest one that Google just bought a few months ago for $300 million. And it's got artificial intelligence in it. It links to your Wi-Fi. It, it has an occupancy sensor, so it knows your patterns, and it learns. So collecting the data and then controlling your space, your environment, uh, to your patterns of life, as well as your health and productivity, is really important. And some of these know the, the real-time pricing of power, and so you can power down when it's the summer and it's hot and everyone's running the air conditioning. That's the peak period. That's also the period when we can have the blackouts. Right, of course. Um, and, and so actually the, my local power company where I live has a, a thing where they will put in thermostats for you. Not nests, unfortunately. I have seven nests in my house. So um, they, they, uh, they'll put in uh, you know, what they call smart thermostats for you uh, that allow you to control them remotely. But to do that, they'll do that for free. But the agreement that you make is that in the event that they need to, they can lower your power, or you, I'm sorry, what is it? They can raise your air conditioning uh, temperature by five degrees or something in the, in, in the event that they need to. And you can override it if you want. But of course, if you're not there, you're not necessarily going to care. And those few degrees can make a huge difference. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, and then they'll pay you for that. Right. So you're the power plan of the future for them. And the power, new power plants are built because of the peak capacity, which is exactly at that time you're describing. So if 20% of the people just raise their thermostat a few degrees, they don't need the next power plant. So they'll pay you for that demand side management. Right, exactly. And, and, and so, but the, I want to go back to the thermostat Chelsea, for a second. So I, I love the nests. I think they're amazing. And this week, actually, uh, I'm sure you saw this, but Google introduced the works with nest API. So now you can have so many things interacting with your Nest thermostat, including one of my favorite websites, which is IFTTT. So you can get alerts if a temperature goes above a certain temperature. Uh, and in the same regard, if you are, uh, if you enter a certain area with your iPhone, you know, whether it's uh, your office or near your home, you can have the thermostat adjust for that as well. But uh, in the studies that I saw when, we were, when I was originally looking at a lot of the late stuff, they even showed that it, just putting a thermostat 
with somebody to control it or being able to control it, even if it didn't actually control the thermostat, just that psychological element of feeling some control over their environment was effective. Well, and we're seeing beyond Nest with uh, building control systems, there's a new one. It's called Building Robotics. It's more in the office arena. But they, using your phone, people can vote on whether they're comfortable or not in different areas. And then it aggregates those votes and adjusts based on comfort and gives everyone a voice through their phone. It also, through the phone, knows where you are in the building using the GPS. And so sensor technology is, is starting to come into our lives in so many ways. Uh, many of us or some of us wear these new, uh, I have an up by Jawbone, others have the Nike fuel band, and that measures your steps. It also measures your sleep, and then the up measures your light sleep versus your deep sleep and how many times you woke up at night. And then it measures you against your own data to see how you're doing with yourself as a baseline, as well as the general people they're collecting information from. So they might say you're in the top 10% of sleep or you're significantly behind your average and you're starting to collect the data in so many interesting areas. And then based on that, you can boost your performance. Uh, it's also got a little bit of a big brother element, which is a whole nother discussion. Right. Well, but I, I mean, let's talk about that a little bit. I, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Well, and even with Google, why did Google buy Nest and pay $300 million, And now they're coming out with other systems. Nest is in your home. It's collecting data. The up is getting data on how you sleep, how you walk, uh, and all with the cloud computing. And we're now able to collect so many reams of data and then compare it and learn patterns uh, and th that data can be sold for a ton of money to people once they know more about you. We see it all over the Internet with everything we do and the cookies. And um, that's the, the valuable part of the social media is the data. Uh, and we, we're not really aware of what are they doing with our data. And then soon you're getting ads that are reflecting things that you've done or websites you've surfed. And um, even with the up, if you're sleeping poorly now, maybe somehow you're getting ads for better beds and different pillows and uh, <laughs> certain potions that will allow you to sleep better. Or uh, you're, maybe you're getting invited to the sleep disorder clinic and... Uh, Soon the local sleep therapy person's calling you. Um, so how far does that go? And it's a big debate. I'm on the advisory board for one firm that's uh, privacy-based software, social media. And their whole thing is we've got all those tools of LinkedIn and Facebook, but we don't sell the data. And even if you want ads to be pushed to you, you have to opt in that you want them. And the site's free if you want ads. And in time, uh, if, if um, I'm sorry, it's, yeah, it's free if you get the ads. If you don't want the ads, you would pay money. But in time, you'll be able to uh, request certain types of ads that are acceptable to put in front of you. 
so you can control your ads. And that's a whole new idea that they've invented. Yeah. So it's certainly privacy issues. Uh, that's a big national global debate even on because you're getting into spying. And I don't know that we're all aware of how much data they're gathering and then how rich it, it is in terms of profitability for those firms and where are those lines of privacy. And this privacy debate is happening on Capitol Hill and on Huffington Post. And um, I'm a big fan of data because I believe without collecting the data, whether it's your, your weight, your blood pressure, uh, how much gluten you put in your body, how, what a serving should weigh, certainly measuring your, your sugar, your cortisol, all those hormones that my wife gets into uh, is very important. And, and then getting those alarms when you're hitting the red zone, uh, that wakes you up. Uh, and we need that because we, we, we're focused on other things. So, but in terms of it being sold and, and then ads coming based on my behavior without my permission, I think we're headed into the 1984 Big Brother stuff. Yeah, uh, and I agree uh, to some extent. That, oh, and I mean, I agree actually completely, but it's, it's, for me, it's more of an issue of that they're collecting the data and not allowing you to access your own data in a lot of cases. So that, that to me is part of a bigger problem in some ways because at least if you know what they're collecting and you can access it, that would be, that would be something useful that you can then do with it. But a lot of times they somehow make it so that the information that you are providing to them then becomes their proprietary information. Uh, but also, you mentioned your wife, and I, I actually feel like I would be very remiss if I didn't point out that uh, David is married to the wonderful and very uh, informative Dr. Sarah Gottfried, who I've interviewed before and is a, a, a just a wealth of knowledge on hormones and endocrine disruptors, which really does relate to green building and everything that we do. And um, so Sarah is awesome, and uh, it, it's, it's, I think it's an interesting combo for you guys that she is sort of the, the healthy body and you're the healthy environment, and that, that melts together very well as far as I can see. Uh, well, you're, you're right. Together, we become the triple bottom line. Uh, I had the, eco the economy and the environment, and she had the social health side. And even my comments, a lot of what you're hearing here today comes from living with her and, and trying to integrate in people, bodies, hormones with green building. And, and they all merge in, in the field of health as you know, with not just uh, our, our bodies uh, or health of the building or the impact of building on health, but health of the planet. So let's talk about the book a little bit. Uh, wh why Explosion Green? Why now? You've been doing this for 20 years, right? So what, what, what prompted the book? So the book uh, was pre-released in November at the 20th anniversary of the U.S. Green Building Council. And I felt it important, it's a memoir, to tell our story of how did we come together, why, and how did we build perhaps the greatest uh, environmental NGO ever in terms of climate change mitigation and resource depletion issues. Uh, we now have about 260 staff just in D.C., for the USGBC, and then we have 99 more countries uh, and lead 
ended up in 140 countries, about 11 billion square feet, 300,000 projects. And we created a whole industry. McGraw-Hill rates green building in the U.S. for 2016 at 200 billion. And that's the U.S. not hitting the other countries. And I wanted to tell the story. I wanted to step back over 20 years and look at what were our ingredients and the toolkit for transformation. How do we take this $7 trillion world's largest industry and get everyone at the table? How do we get hundreds of governmental agencies to use lead and create carrots and sticks? I like the carrots of tax credits. Uh, and get millions of people to create a new movement and one that's built on capitalistic principles that you can make more money through green, not just uh, the liability side of the environmental impact, but more that this is the future of growth and the economy. And then there's a, a theme throughout it of more self-reflection, self-deprecation of what is our journey, what's our purpose and mission here on earth, and reflecting through the character in the book who tells the story, which happens to be David, who's me. So, and where do you see the, not the green movement per se, but lead has evolved. I think, you know, we're, we're on like the sixth or seventh version, I think at this point. And where, where do you, what direction do you sort of see it going? Yeah, uh, uh, version four just came out for NC, but we have many other products beyond new construction. Uh, but with our latest versions, there, USGBC is starting to look at the product data and health product declarations, we call them HPDs. It's moving towards net zero and looking at that in the future. It's looking at more of the real-time data and not just when you designed it or the design intent, but did you collect the data and how is it doing? Uh, focusing more on what we call commissioning, that what you design is actually what you got and that you're, you're tweaking it all the time to have continuous improvement to achieve the goals that you had. And uh, it's moving more into health and productivity and that the occupant is more than just someone who needs daylight or getting the VOCs out, but they need to, to have comfort and that individual control that we talked about. Uh, so those are some highlights. Uh, we're also going to move from the L and LEAD is, stands for leadership. And uh, initially we pegged that buildings that could be certified were at the top 25%. But what about the other 75% of the homes and buildings that can't certify? Uh, and it's not that we have 25% of the market, but those are the ones that could qualify. And then there's the, the big fat buildings. I call them the clunker homes and buildings. They're the 500-pound buildings. How do we get them into the game? And USGBC is taking a look at that as well. Great. That's, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm really interested to sort of see where it goes. Uh, so, okay, so the last question that I really love to ask people on the podcast is from anything that you do or have done and, you know, you, you, the knowledge that you've gleaned from Sarah and from your life and from everything that you do, what are your sort of top three personal tips for being more effective in what you do? 
Well, and you're hitting a lot of this with your last doing, which, which I like. Uh, I think a big part of your message is intentionality. You got to look at what you put in your mouth. You got to look at how you move your body and you need to look at what you're thinking and, and start controlling and taking charge of those things you can influence. And the same is true uh, in, in our homes and our buildings. So we need to look at the water and the waste and the purchase decisions as well. Uh, so we, and then combining this personal health with the building, I always say, who's in the green building? And so I'm looking at that hard. I've invented something called the life balance sheet, which is a personal green life rating tool. And it takes your personal assets minus your personal liabilities and calculates your self-worth. Usually in balance sheets, we calculate net worth. Well, this is looking at self-worth, which gets into how are you doing in this journey of your life and what impact are you leaving here on earth and what stewardship seeds are you planting so there's a good legacy that's actually healing earth here when you're gone. The one thing that's obsessed me is we have all these beautiful technologies now and tons of knowledge and thousands of practitioners who can make our bodies healthy, our buildings healthy. Yet we're not all uh, living with intentionality. We're not all waking up. And why is that? And so I've been hanging out with some of Sarah's friends in neuroscience and trying to learn more about the brain. And I call it regen brain because I believe our survival wiring of the past caveman years that kept us alive warned us about the tiger and that if you f you're freezing, you die, or if you don't have food, game over. But you don't need that when you've got a Whole Foods in a safe way. <laughs> you know, you don't have to go down the aisle with your spear and your dagger. No one's trying to kill you in, in Whole Foods and you can take the stuff off the shelf. And yet probably if you're a guy and someone cut you off or took the last organic uh, gluten-free bag off the shelf, you probably want to kill them. <laughs> and so you're, you're grabbing for the organics, but you're, you don't have an organic mind and uh, would say a clean brain. And so I'm curious with the advent of plasticity, can we lay a new neural network that creates the survival wiring of the 21st and 22nd century? And how can we invent apps that reprogram our brains so we care about nature, other people here, we're more humane, mm -hmm. and our home. We, so far, we just have one big round home. home. So uh, that's my new obsession. Well, I, I think that's a pretty good thing to be obsessed about. Well, so, all right. Well, David, thank you so much. We're, we're going to have everything that all your stuff in the show notes, but wh where's the best place that people can find out more about you, uh, the book, everything. Yes. Yeah, so I have a website. It's explosiongreen.com and you can go there and learn about the book. There's a opt in for a free conference I'm doing in September called explosion green live. I interviewed 40 of the people who are the most influential in the world in sustainability and green building. And the week of September 15th, it's free. So you can sign up at explosiongreen.com and uh, get into this game. 
the, the, the one thing I wanted to mention, I saw some show notes on your last show, and it was talking about regenerating your immune system. And this is really about regenerating the immune system for Earth as well as ourselves. So it all ties together. Uh, so it's, it's fun to be here with you and, and look at putting the overlay of less doing on our homes and our buildings. Uh, and you can boost health and productivity by limiting the waste and the inputs and getting a higher yield. Absolutely. Well, David, thank you so much. That was a, a very different kind of conversation for the podcast than one that I, I'm, I've actually really been wanting to have. So uh, I thank you for your time. Thanks for having me and the great work you're doing and the important message and, and, and tools you're putting out into the world. Thank you.